0: What we realized is that the most powerful thing that could happen in communities is that our investments would be tied to and go directly along with the community members that are already there.
1: Welcome to Buzz House, a Baker Tilly podcast where you can find all the buzz around multifamily housing. I'm Don Bernard, the partner in charge of Baker Tilly's Multifamily Housing Practice.
2: And I'm Garrett Gibson, a partner at Baker Tilly, also specializing in consulting on multifamily housing transactions across the country.
1: Each week, we'll bring you a guest or a topic in the multifamily housing industry that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. We are very excited to welcome into the bus House today, Joshua Pollard the president and CEO of Omicello, a mission-driven real estate investment firm that's building home, health, and wealth. Joshua is joining us today to give us his input on what mission-based real estate is and what its role is in the real estate market. Before jumping in with Joshua, just a couple of updates from around the industry. Our last bus house, we touched on the Inflation Reduction Act and wanted to mention one other item included in it. The Act includes $837 million to HUD for direct loans and grants to fund projects that improve energy or water efficiency, enhance indoor air quality or sustainability and and related items. A lot more to come out on that, but it's a program that came out uh, around the Great Recession in which uh, a subsequent evaluation determined that there were electricity and natural gas savings of 16 to 19% uh, in projects that received these, these HUD grants for uh, energy efficiency and so forth. Also, Garrick and I are gonna have another podcast specifically devoted to solar, wind and related credits, energy efficiency credits around the Inflation Reduction Act. So a lot more to come on that. Also, just real briefly, the Federal Housing Finance Agency recently published in the Federal Register, a new methodology and benchmark levels for multifamily housing goals for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for 2023 and 2024. Uh, the proposed rule would set a percentage of Fannie and Freddie's annual multifamily loan acquisitions to be affordable to each of three different categories. The low-income goal would be 61 percent. The very low-income goal would be 12 percent, and low-income small multifamily sub-goal would be 2 percent. So, a lot more to come on that as uh, Fannie and Freddie get their directives on uh, what type of loans and what affordability. With that, very very excited to jump into our discussion with Joshua. And right, with that, I turn it over to Garrick.
2: Thanks, Don, and uh, thanks for for joining, Joshua. So the term mission-based and for-profit may be considered kind of an oxymoron. (laughs) So let us know know, a little bit about your background and organization and kind of what what that means. Yeah,
0: sure. Well, first, let me thank you guys for having me um, and all the incredible information that's coming through BuzzHouse. It's very helpful to organizations like mine. My name is Joshua Pollard. I do indeed lead a mission-driven investment firm called Omicello. Our mission is to uh, really transform communities with the right mix of investments and resources. By background, my family was actually homeless when I was a child, and by age 24, I was asked to lead housing research for Goldman Sachs. Uh, So I I always argue that I've been at both tables, uh, both that fancy table and that that table that actually wasn't there. And from my perspective, to be mission-based and for profit means to be motivated by a greater goal than money while simultaneously acknowledging the important role of profitability and achieving that greater goal time and again. To me, that couldn't be more important. You can't take any piece of that phrase out and leave it stand alone. You really need the whole thing. And that for us is what it means to be mission driven as a for profit company.
2: Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for that, Joshua. So thanks for that intro, Joshua. So Omicello Cares is the nonprofit entity that works in partnership with Omicello, the real estate investment firm. So what are the services opportunities that your nonprofit provides to the communities you're actually serving? And how does this align with the work of your investment firm? And then for the community programming education, how do you like measure that success? And what are the key performance indicators that you have?
0: Sure. So uh, let me start by telling a, a quick story. Have you ever been in a scenario where there's an incredible mixed-use project, affordable housing attached to it, and you've got a scenario where community members are just berating the project at the community meeting? I mean, literally just giving it the up and down. What we've learned in those scenarios time and time again is that community members weren't so much upset about the project or its individual merits more they felt like they were left out of the process or that irrespective of how sensitive the speaker was to their individual needs that they were being talked over because they uh, did not have the exact same level of education as those who were at the front of the room it was with that premise that Omicello Cares was really born and specifically, uh, one of my favorite programs within Omicello Cares, the nonprofit that we work in partnership with, called the Real Estate co Empowerment Series. Everything's in the name. Empowerment suggests that, hey, Garrick, you've got the you you've got the power, you got the juice, and I don't. You know, so you're ever so benevolent, Garrick, to bestow me with the power you have because you're at the front of the room. That's entirely different than us talking about co-powerment, which is Garrick, you got power. Hey, I've got power. Dawn, you've got some too. Why don't we collaborate? And so from the very first day of the real estate co-powerment series, we tell people why it was named the co-powerment series, that they've got power in their community. And as much as the real estate co-powerment is about demystifying the real estate development process for everyday community members, and I can't wait to tell you about some of the statistics, It's more about ensuring that they're in the right relationship to themselves, particularly when it comes to money. There's a course within there that's called The Money Mindset, where it's really a psychological course, has nothing to do with real estate in any way, shape or form. But when you start to uncover what, what money makes you feel like, just the term, it's worth digging into, because what you realize is that if you believe that no matter what comes in the door, it's going to go back out the back door very fast. You start to change your behaviors in a negative way. So what we realized is that the most powerful thing that can happen in communities is that our investments would be tied to and go directly along with the community members that are already there. I think that's the future of America, that red or blue or anything in between, uh, most folks can agree is, is a good path forward. So we decided to uh, align the education um, along with our investment dollars and really try to make a difference in that way. And so from a key performance indicator, what we're measuring um, at Cell Cares, really a few things. Have people's incomes gone up? Um, Have they gained financial assets? And have their small businesses grown? That's the mission of the organization. And those are three things we monitor. And I could say the early success is phenomenal. Just in South Western Pennsylvania where Omicello is founded. We have graduated about 225 community members um, just in the last couple of years from the, the real estate co-partment series. And they've already collectively already purchased over 75 units of housing and commercial real estate themselves. These are in a lot of the exact same communities where Omicello from a real estate investment perspective is investing. So what we're talking about here is know, very polarizing words like gentrification actually being both good for the community and good for the community members. To me, that's mission-driven real estate. That's mission-driven investing. That's where I don't care if you're for-profit or non-profit, 99% of people can get on board with what we're talking
1: about. Gotcha, that's that's really powerful. And that's really exciting. Uh, the statistics and so forth, really, really exciting. You touched on this a little bit, kind of with, you know, the, the non-profit you know, are they working in pair? Are they standalone? Do you do you see them? Do you see the synergies? And you kind of hit on this already. You know, something important to do because getting that alignment and so forth. Maybe just a little bit, you know, more about the the nonprofit, your for-profit, the, the need to work together and so forth. Yeah.
0: So from the very top, there are two separate legal entities. The nonprofit has a separate board. I, I am on the board, but no one else from the staff of our investment company is on the board. And I do so as as the founder and and unpaid. I feel like I should make sure that all those boxes are checked to make clear to the listening public. Uh, But for me, when I was in my early days, I actually went to one of my mentors at my old firm and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing both the for-profit and nonprofit." And the advice given to me was, Joshua, that makes absolutely no sense. Start the investment firm, scale it, get it right. And then you can start the nonprofit, and all will be well. I mean, it makes perfect sense if you're trying to create more of what's been created. But to me, the idea of if I got an Omicello, got to the point that it is today, and then all of a sudden started Omicello Cares, literally today. I think the average person in the communities that we're serving would say, "What's he trying to buy?" what can't they get that they're going to get because they started a nonprofit? and the reality is in the markets we're in most people know us for the fact that one of their family members or church members or classmates or gym mates took one of our courses more so than they know any individual project that we've done and and we like it that way
2: yeah, that's very interesting. Um, you get advice going one way, and you take a different direction, and it's working out perfectly for you. <laughs> and that kind of leads me to kind of to another question that I have about all this: is you know we know a lot of newer developers have difficulty scaling their businesses, uh, whether they're doing you know in, in a nonprofit or for profit or even a combination of both. So. What are some important things to focus on when looking to grow a development business from your perspective?
0: So I look back five years and five years ago, we raised our first real estate fund. Now, I didn't mention that we started trying to raise that fund eight years ago. After three years of taking no salary, literally, God bless my wife. What we realized when we raised our our first fund, which was $20 Dollars is that that first big check solved a lot of problems, but it created some new ones. And most folks who are on the path of growth or desire to grow or desire to scale are not prepared to address the new problems that are created um, when new capital comes to bear. And so, for us, we think the important thing to focus on is the continual circle of capital and capacity that's necessary. A lot of folks talk about the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. uh, But really, what we're finding uh, amongst those new developers, which we support with capital, uh, which we seek to support with additional services, Oftentimes, they have no clue some of the things that they would need to do in the future and it's by no fault of their own. They're absolutely excellent at a level that I could never be or that I could never be at building those close connections in their neighborhood. They're going to have access to land and buildings at below market costs, at below replacement cost. They're connected to the council person. They're deeply engaged in church. They're in those communities. We couldn't replace that if we spent 20 years trying. But what we can do is provide the scale and the capital, both the capacity and the capital, and, and what we we think is is necessary in order to see, succeed are both. Um, and I think that the best founders, the best new developers, are going to be those um, who are willing to to take that next step and think, hey, when I do get this capital that I've been hunting for for three or four years, what am I going to have to do that I didn't have to do? Those who are asking that questions are the ones who we think are most likely to succeed and also the ones that we want to help.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And even expanding on that, just in the overall industry, when we're thinking about making commercial real estate industry more equitable and accessible. What does that look like to you and your team? That's a great question, Garrick. And the first
0: thing that comes to mind for me is taking a hard look at the titans of our industry and understanding what they're really good at. Like most people, I I tend to think of the world in seven pillars, right? What are the things you need to be successful at a business? These are the seven pillars strategy, technology, communication finance, legal, capital, and great people. By definition, I'm talking the very best in our business, only have one or two. They've been able to fill out teams that fill those other pillars and cover their blind spots as well. What we recognize is that those who fall in the bucket of equitable, um, those that fall in that bucket of haven't yet been accessed and therefore fall in that bucket of being able to be supported when we think about um, our industry becoming more accessible. We just want to feel those other pillars, Garrick. We don't want for every developer who's mission driven or led by a diverse individual. To have to start from zero when they become the new owner of a development company. We love to supply them with the five or six or four or three pillars that they need. And that's the thing that's been unique that we found is that many of these new founders are thinking about things so creatively, have had such wonderful experiential lives that they're bringing ideas that have never really been brought more profitable ideas but any one of those missing pillars will hold your project, will hold your progress. And so what we really want to do is be able to supply the balance of those seven pillars um, in a way that allows these companies to grow very successfully. And, and I'm glad to say that we've helped a number of businesses already do this, and it's
1: something we're excited to continue doing. Very good. Josh, kind of one last question before we wrap up. You know, you've made a lot of great progress already with, with your company. Where- where, what's what's next for Omicello and, and what excites you about the future of your firm and, and the industry?
0: That's a great question, Don, and I don't want to let all of the fun out of the bag about some of the things we're working on uh, right now, but in the next five or 10 years, I want almost every developer who's diverse-led or mission-driven to know exactly who Omicello is, but no one in their communities to know who we are. Because they succeeded and they're the ones who people are like, oh my gosh, you remember when they were doing onesie, twosie houses and now they're building a skyscraper downtown? And everybody knows that it's them in their communities, but behind the scenes, it's been solo and a really unique suite of partners that are standing behind these companies, really helping them be great. At my heels would be a clicking. You know, if we're able to pair that with things like the real estate co-powerment, so in addition to that skyscraper being built by, you know, a superb new developer, you know, that individual houses and small multifamily projects are being built in the neighborhoods by folks who are new and, and now understand and feel co-powered, that, that to me is is a future that I can get excited about.
1: Very good. Absolutely love it, Joshua. Love, love the passion. Love 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 it all. So thank you very much, Joshua, for joining us on the Buzz House yeah, today. Thanks. And uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to Buzz House. To receive a notification when new episodes are available, please subscribe to Buzzhouse, a Baker Tilly podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. For additional resources around multifamily housing, check out Baker Tilly.com. And if you have a suggested topic, Please send them to build at bakertilly.com. That's B U I L D at bakertilly.com.